You are tuned to your community-supported radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. on a windy, rainy Tuesday, March 14th, also known as Pi Day. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Last week's failure of Silicon Valley Bank continues to reverberate through our state and beyond. Economist Gary Zimmerman gives his take on the subject to KVMR's Paul Emery, and the California Report looks into why we didn't see it coming. The gig worker law, Proposition 22, is apparently back on the books thanks to an appeals court ruling. And a change in the weather is on the way. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A state appeals court has overturned a judge's earlier decision and has ruled that California's controversial Prop 22 should mostly be allowed to stand. Passed by voters in 2020, Prop 22 allows companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash to classify their workers as independent contractors instead of employees. That means drivers don't get protections like unemployment insurance, health coverage, and family leave. Wide-hailing and delivery companies spent $200 million to pass Prop 22. They argue it protects the flexibility of app-based work. The collapse over the weekend of Santa Clara-based Silicon Valley Bank was the second largest bank failure in American history. Founded in the early 1980s, the bank was a favorite of California's tech industry, including all important venture capitalists or VCs. As Silicon Valley boomed, so did the bank. But when account holders feared their deposits were in jeopardy, they sparked an old-fashioned bank run as depositors panicked and tried to withdraw their funds. I talked about the importance of Silicon Valley Bank to Silicon Valley and what might happen next with Ben Bergman, a senior correspondent with Business Insider. Silicon Valley Bank was really the bank of Silicon Valley. It banked over half of VC startups, and it's been around for 40 years, and it's just sort of always been there, and it really provided the oil to the startup ecosystem. It provided venture debt, venture capital, bridge loans. If a founder needed a mortgage on his or her house, they would also give you that. Every event I went to, including one less than two weeks ago, was always sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. So it was kind of the community bank of the tech industry. Yeah, exactly. And it just, you know, a lot of tech founders are young. They don't have much banking history, so they wouldn't really be able to walk into J.P. Morgan and necessarily get a loan. But Silicon Valley Bank knew all the VCs. They knew everyone so they could say, hey, is this person reputable? And so they provided a lot of things that other banks just didn't. So essentially, I mean, its influence and its clout uh, really came out of word of mouth, right? I mean, people would recommend the bank to others, and they'd open up accounts there. Yeah, tech is a very small community, and it's all about recommendations. And when you got your first check as a startup founder, the advice was always open up an account with Silicon Valley Bank. And of course, that became its undoing, that it was this very small community. So as soon as those people started talking to each other and turning against the bank, because it was such a small group of people who all talk, it unraveled so quickly. You know, the tech industry is really, it's not not an industry known for its uh, reflection. But what do you think people in the tech industry are asking themselves this week in the wake of this bank's failure? 
Well, I'm working on this story about VCs, which is what I cover. And here are people that are paid handsomely to look around the corner and try to predict the future. And no one was able to see this coming. And so, you know, I I think in a sense, maybe that's unfair because this was something missed by regulators and auditors and a lot of people. And it's such a black swan event. But at the same time, there were two firms out there last year who were warning about Silicon Valley Bank or, or a couple other VCs weeks ago who, who I heard about who were telling their startup founders to, to get their money out. Um, so I think that's one thing. Another thing is VCs, at least outwardly, are very collegial with each other. It's not like Wall Street where there's a lot of sharks competing against each other. And this has brought out a lot of tension between the VCs who told the people to get their money out as soon as possible on Thursday and were seen as fomenting this bank run. And just finally, I mean, our show is all about California. Is this a, you know, squarely a a California-centric crisis, at least right now? Well, no, because Silicon Valley has now become much more of an idea than an actual place. And so certainly the tech epicenter is certainly in the Bay Area uh, and now coming to Los Angeles to to a lesser degree, but Silicon Valley is is all over. So so this was something that was a, a worldwide event. All right, that is Ben Bergman, senior correspondent with Business Insider. Ben, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thanks so much for having me. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 846 drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. The James Irvine Foundation. Accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Let's return to the topic of Silicon Valley Bank. We'll note that the federal government says it will guarantee deposits in the bank as regulators work to prevent other U.S. banks from failing. But in the wake of Silicon Valley Bank's collapse, California companies working on clean tech are scrambling. KQED's Laura Clivens reports. Solar, hydrogen, carbon removal. These and other technologies are what's known as climate tech. Their work is critical in reducing the carbon pollution dangerously heating up our planet. Peter Reinhardt is CEO of carbon removal company Charm, which had millions in the bank. SVB was famous for being exceptionally company friendly uh, and startup friendly. All of those aspects of how SVB worked with the startup ecosystem as a whole will be greatly missed. They now have access to their cash, but are still recovering a more complicated deposit for their industrial warehouse. So really, this is mostly an operational headache. Ryan Pinchadsram is a venture capitalist at Kleiner Perkins and co-authored a book about climate solutions. He anticipates climate tech startups will find other banks to work with, but they won't have the same experience. When you're explaining one of these kinds of companies to them, whether it's a clean tech company or a life science company, they've got folks there that have seen a lot of them already. Orange County State Assemblymember Cotty Petrie-Norris wants to seed more climate tech startups in California. The reality is that SVB's collapse could have been an utter catastrophe for climate innovation. She credits the Biden administration for avoiding that disaster. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. 
And that is the California Report for today, Tuesday, March 14th, or 3.14 on Pi Day, everybody. That's Pi as in math, not Pi as in the delicious dessert. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and let's talk tomorrow. Here's your forecast from the National Weather Service. A high wind warning remains in effect until 11 tonight for a large area including Nevada County, as well as a flood watch in effect through Wednesday morning. Excessive rain and runoff may result in flooding of rivers, creeks, streams, and other low-lying and poor drainage areas. Flooding may occur in mountain urban areas. Wednesday will be mostly dry with lingering effects of flooding. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, rain and thunderstorms possibly producing heavy rain. New rainfall amounts could measure up to three-quarters of an inch. The low will be in the mid-30s. Windy, with a south wind up to 30 miles per hour and gusts up to 43 miles per hour. Winds will decrease to 8 to 18 miles per hour after midnight. Wednesday has a different look, a chance of showers before 11 a.m., then mostly sunny and clear with a high near 54 and a low around 34. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, a winter storm morning continues until early Wednesday. This evening, rain and snow showers, thunder, and a low of 22. Southwest wind, 20 to 30 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 40 miles per hour. New snow accumulation of 2 to 4 inches is possible, and travel will be difficult and hazardous. Wednesday in Tahoe, some isolated snow showers, but mostly sunny, with a high near 39. Wednesday night, mostly clear, with a low around 16. For Sacramento and Woodland tonight, rain likely, then mostly cloudy, with a low around 42. Breezy, with a south-southwest wind up to 25 miles per hour, and gusts to 37 miles per hour. Wind will decrease to 9 to 14 miles per hour after midnight. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 60 and winds up to 11 miles per hour. Wednesday night, mostly clear with a low around 38. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next, economist Gary Zimmerman returns to his chair at the KVMR Evening News, and not a moment too soon. Gary's back just in time to answer Paul Emery's questions about two big economic stories, last week's bank failures and next week's Fed meeting. How might the aftermath of those two events combine to influence our economic future? Listen in. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb. Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, there's sure been a lot of discussion in the news about the Federal Reserve policy and interest rates. And then at the end of last week, Silicon Valley Bank, a large tech-oriented bank, failed. What's that all about? (laughs) <laughs> That's right, Paul. The question is today, where to start? And uh, could the failure of a large tech-oriented bank and, and now a couple other failures as well add to the risks the economy is facing and maybe even change what the Federal Reserve might do? And I'd say, yes, it's quite possible. Well, let's start today with your take on what the Fed might do with interest rates at its meeting next week. And then 
move on to the failed bank. Well, Paul, based on Fed Chair Jay Powell's recent comments that drove the stock market down and uh, some of the comments and speeches from other Fed policymakers over the past several weeks, it looked to me like the Fed was likely to raise their short-term target interest rate by 50 basis points or a half a percentage point from a, a range of four and a half to four and three quarters to a higher range of five to five and a quarter. And just three months ago, they were projecting that the Fed funds target interest rate wouldn't hit this range until near the end of 2023. Uh, but, you know, that was all before the failure of a couple hundred billion dollar Silicon Valley bank. Um, and so the experts are already debating what effect the failures might have on Fed policy. Uh, essentially, you know, maybe the, the critical need might be to focus right now on stabilizing the financial system after the bank failures. And that might lead the Fed to holding off on another interest rate increase next week or going with a smaller one quarter of a percent or 25 basis point increase. So. Stay tuned. Gary, should we be worried about the failure of that large bank last week? Paul, tough questions. Well, for many years, I was a Fed economist who followed the banking industry. But, you know, in this case, I only know what I've seen in the in the news about the bank failures. So there are now three. And but one thing that they do have in common is that all of them had high risk portfolio decisions that they made and that backfired. Um, for example, Silicon Valley Bank, the first of the large banks that failed, was was taken over by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, um, and reopened on Monday morning. Um, you know, a second is a, a New York bank with a large crypto business. It also failed. And so, you know, that, that caused the Treasury, the Fed, the FDIC and state regulators to take rapid action to try and limit the spread of the problem. So, yeah, it's a concern. Well, Gary, what exactly is a bank run? Well, depositors obviously must uh, withdraw funds because they need to pay employees and fund operations or pay bills and, um, you know, be they a corporation or small business or an individual. Uh, so what is a bank run? Well, it's a typical, it's a situation where depositors start withdrawing their deposits suddenly because they're very concerned about the bank's financial condition and they're worried about their ability to get their money back. Um, so in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, some reports say close to 90% of their deposits were uninsured, meaning they were from, you know, large Silicon Valley uh, tech firms from wealthy depositors um, who were holding uninsured deposits of, and they withdrew about 42 billion in uninsured depo or in deposits in, a, in just a few days. And uh, as a result of that, Silicon Valley Bank you know, suffered close to a $2 billion loss because they had to sell bonds in order to cover the deposit withdrawal. And, and although the bonds are safe, um, they were treasury and mortgage-backed security bonds, for example, um, they were paying less than the current market interest rate. So selling the bonds essentially forced Silicon Valley Bank to take losses on their bond sales. And news of those losses then made it impossible for Silicon Valley Bank to get a new infusion of capital from investors to meet and maintain their bank's regulatory capital requirements. So, you know, essentially the bank bet the bank on the assumption that interest rates wouldn't go up. And they certainly have over the past year. Well, Gary, um, this is a, a big question. Who picks up the tab for bank failures like this one? Do small depositors, large balance depositors, stockholders, the bank regulators? Where does it end? Where does it end up? 
Well, that's <laughs> that's another good question, Paul. Where does it end? Well, unless a failing bank is purchased by another bank, uh, typically uninsured depositors will suffer some losses on their uninsured portion of their deposits. Um, to FDIC typically would take a loss in that case as well. You know, stockholders obviously will lose their investment. Um, in the Silicon Valley Bank case over the weekend, steps were taken by the Fed, the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, uh, and the Treasury to avoid a wider bank crisis or a spreading bank crisis. The Federal Reserve announced on Sunday that it'll be creating a $25 billion emergency lending facility for banks to provide um, banks and thrifts with funds to help stabilize the banking system, and that the regulators also took to additional actions with respect to Silicon Valley Bank and, and uh, New York Signature Bank to protect against losses on both the FDIC insured deposits, as sort of deposits under $250,000 and under, and then the, in, in a very unusual move to um, do the same thing on large accounts with you know uninsured deposits, that these would be ones that are over $250,000. But these emergency regulatory actions are very important because they reduce the incentive for depositors to suddenly withdraw their deposits in a bank run. And that's a situation that you know certainly can drive a bank into a failure very quickly. Tough stuff, <laughs> Gary. It's a serious business here. But let's uh, do one more question. Just what did the Fed say, Gary? Okay. Can you tell us? Well, I should have some information on that statement here. So let, let, me, let me read that. So the, the Federal Reserve issued a joint pair of statements on Sunday with one clear message. Um, in this case, is about Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank's depositors, both insured and uninsured, will receive help in a manner that will fully protect all. Uh, depositors, the statement reads, will have access to all of their money starting on Monday, March 13th. And no losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Now, hopefully, these important and quick actions will end the bank runs and minimize concerns about the safety and soundness of the banking system. Well, Gary, uh, thank you very much. And it's uh, great to have you back. Um, lots of news. And uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Sounds good, Paul. Thank you. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. That's our newscast for Tuesday, March 14th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from our generous listeners and from Whitewater Naturopathic Medicine. Doctors Carolyn and Gregory Weiswasser provide naturopathic family health care, including women's medicine, bioidentical hormone therapy, bodywork, and more, located on East Main Street, Grass Valley, serving Central California since 2005 whitewaternaturopathic.com and the law offices of Christopher Dort handling insurance disputes and insurance litigation in state and federal courts for more than 20 years with offices located in Nevada County information is available at dortlaw.com this is Joyce Miller and before I sign off I want to tell you how proud I am to be part of the KVMR Evening News 
Small town radio news teams are rare and getting rarer. When the lights go out, radio is still the best way to disseminate crucial safety information. If you value this resource, we're asking you to donate today to support it online securely at kvmr.org or call 530-265-9555. Now it's time to sign off. Join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.